It's me, Darlene, with another episode of Laid Do You Remember This, another bonus episode where we will be recapping an episode of The Girls Next Door. We have a fabulous, fabulous guest. You must know her podcast. If you if you listen to mine, even though it's not, you know, early 2000s, it's it's Bravo. It's reality shows. I feel like we all live in the same universe. We all live on the same block. The podcast is Mixing with Mani. Mani, welcome. Thank you so much for, for being here and joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is truly a dream come true. You're right. We do all live in the same little cul-de-sac of like reality television, trash TV, things that require zero brain power to produce and watch. And I love it here. I'm actually enjoying it. This is the only piece of real estate I will never get rid of. Yeah, I feel like cul-de-sac is right. I feel like we live um, on the sister wives cul-de-sac back in Las Vegas. (laughs) Yes. And unlike Cody and the sister wives, we will not be giving up this cul-de-sac. Yes, absolutely. It's like we're all like we all have different families in our house, but we are all combined and united by like one common love. And instead of Cody, it is just reality TV. Yes. Yes. Um, I love your podcast. Thank you. Oh, my God. I and I'm sure a lot of people like myself came to you. Um, and your show because you were on, I mean, the holy grail of podcasts, bitch sesh. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I loved being on that show. That was a dream come true for me. Was it just exactly what you had hoped for? Yeah, it it really was. It was very fun, very fast paced. They literally had someone on right before me for something totally different. And then they were like, okay, you can come back in 15 minutes. It was like a show. Like it was really like I was in a dressing room type of thing. I was at home, but it was like, all right, so her, she's gone. Okay, you're up next. And then we have one more person. And I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, they really put so much work and effort into it. And I'm really grateful, you know, to be, I don't know what stars aligned and it's really because of my listeners that they you know put it out in the universe and I just I love them because like they're they're obviously they can be very cruel to us sometimes but like we signed up for it but what yeah. I really love is when they go after other people and tell them what they need they need to do with their podcast they're like you need to have money on that's what you need to do that's what's good for you and then it happened like it happened I was on everything iconic because of that I was on bitch sesh because of that so I'm very grateful y'all are the best and it was very fun Uh, Danielle and Casey are hilarious like they're very funny people they're naturally very witty I was very nervous I was gonna say something that I should not say because they just naturally get you to talk too much and that is scary but they are very good at it and that's why they have like the best number one show yeah I can imagine what it would be like to talk to them as far as I'm very susceptible to um, talking shit, peer pressure. Mm -hmm. And I I try and like really rein myself in when it, when it's just me. But if I were in their presence, my God, I, right. I would be somehow canceled immediately. 
Like, I'm always so nervous. Like, it's the same thing happened when I was with Danny. Like, I was, it's one thing when it's on my show. It's just, you know, a couple thousand people. It's like, okay, like, one or two people might not agree with me. They might send it to a DM. But we're talking about people who are like, the when you just go randomly, you just want to start in podcasts. And you're like, oh, I just want to listen to something. And you just, like, click it. These are the people you will see. So it's the biggest download numbers and stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm actually just not talking with friends. And then you don't realize that until you were done. And then you're like, oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Guess I have to stand by it now. After that episode, I don't know if you heard this episode where uh, Yasser Lester was on. (laughs) Yes. And he said some things that in the following episode... I, I mean, I didn't even really clock it, but then in the following episode when Danielle and Casey apologized for it, I was like, huh. And so I like just looked at their reviews and there's like 10 to 20 reviews just talking about this one episode. Yes. What happens when you get to that level? Like, I'm not there yet. And I don't know if I want to be like where everyone just reviews based on the day, like they're purely thinking solely about that day and they've been listening so long they feel entitled to like listen this isn't you or this is not what we want or stick to what we know and I'm like oh my god you basically go from like being the podcast producer to working for the the people (laughs) yes you really are working for the people and yeah I don't listen I want I want money I definitely want money but yeah I don't know that I necessarily want my um my thoughts and opinions to live on in perpetuity uh, at yes. such a level. Let me tell you something. Every single week I realize, I'm like, every single week I tell myself, this is probably the last week I'm going to do this. And every week I know I'm <laughs> lying to myself because these people do such stupid things on the television. So mm-hmm. it's not like I have a choice, but to watch and comment. No one asked me to do it, but I, I have no choice. It. It's so true. It, we do not have a choice. This is our, this is our life's calling. Um, they couldn't pull us away if, if we tried and we do try. Yeah. I mean, I do try, but at the same time, when you emailed me, I, I tried to not pull away. I pulled myself right back in and said, well, why not? Let's actually go down something I genuinely do not have to do. Like this is a rabbit hole I absolutely do not have to go down and I'm going to do it anyway, voluntarily. Well, I will say, I, I think it's probably a little bit easier for me in my podcast because everything that I talk about is not at all relevant uh, to helps. today. Whereas, you know, the people you're talking about are, um, they're living in the spotlight right now. Yeah, and they're they current. Can, they're current. They can get mad at you. All my people, you know, I don't know. Bridget Marquardt is not like knocking down my door saying. Right. And, and you know, the entire concept of Girls Next Door in general is like it's it itself is already canceled. So there's there's like yes. some level of comfort. And like even watching it, there was a level of comfort in me writing things down where I'm like, I don't even have to actually draw attention to how problematic X, Y and Z things are in this 22 minute episode because it's already canceled. Like the show is canceled. <laughs> You know, Hef is no longer living. The whole mansion is like not a thing anymore. Like the concept of it is canceled. Like everyone is, the kids today don't even know what the fuck we're talking about. They're just like, what is this? Like, so we don't even have to pretend like 
to feel bad about enjoying it, if that makes sense, because we know this is not a thing. Like we're not actively supporting something that is active, alive and troubling. It's just, it's all gone. So now we can just go, wow, remember when we like actually had no problem with this and and this was a thing? This is crazy. Which is like, that's the whole point. That's like the whole title of your show. Do you remember this? Like, do you remember when this was a thing? Yeah, it's so true though. There, There's nothing that could be more canceled than the girls next door. Yes. It is (laughs) literally figuratively and spiritually canceled. And I guess that does make it easier because yeah, it's not as if we're talking about how much we enjoy this and these um concubines essentially are still like in a mansion somewhere locked up uh with an elderly man it's it's like no we are far removed so we can just um we can revel in the in the track suits and the tube socks it's something else like i i truly didn't know where we were most of this episode like i didn't know what we were doing i'm like what is happening here i'm constantly questioning are they trying to be naked and scantily clad or are they trying to be cloaked? Cause like Hollywood zip up her pillow, like her jacket all the way to her chin. Yes. But wear a mini tiny, tiny, like not even a mini skirt, a nano skirt with, I guess, no underwear because they kept bleeping it out. So I'm like, so which <laughs> is it? Are you cold? Are you hot? Do only your top get cold? You know, I, I never put, words to that but now that you're saying it she especially does that I think throughout the series where she's constantly like in little nothings but zipping up all the way to the top and I think it's I wonder if it is just her being generally uncomfortable and it's like a nervous tick or she knows she has to dress this way and unconsciously she's covering herself up in any way that she can yeah it could it absolutely could be both like she feels some kind of confidence in her body she knows she looks good so she will wear it but she's at the same time kind of like this show was on for how many seasons was it five six well six total seasons but five with the original three right okay because and that's what i remembered so i'm like thinking timeline wise because you know, you and I discussed this offline, but I was obsessed with Holly's book. It's the only book, it's the first tell-all book I ever read. And I read it cover to cover in under 48 hours. Like I would not sleep. It was so good. I would not put it down. I actually loved it. And I am like thinking of her timeline and when she was talking about this, like the, the the kinds of thoughts and things and like the spiral, the mental spirals that she was having. And it, this this season, we're talking season four, episode two. So the later, the latter part of her being at the house before she leaves, it does seem like she might be like, a, you know, in a place of this is what I know I have to do. But at the same time, you know, have trying to have a little bit of control back of her of her body and, and a little bit of privacy and a little bit of agency over, you know, who gets to see it and and, and how she's feeling, which if you have read the book, it, it makes a lot of sense because she de- definitely did, you know, feel to, that she was emotionally and mentally kind of abused and definitely manipulated at the very least. And I can it, literally her clothing choices looks like someone who is confused and manipulated. Well, and that's interesting, too, because another thing that 
you find out is I, I believe in her book, um, but she's mentioned it elsewhere that it was after season, I believe season three, where they realized that if you um, were watching the show on DVD and now remember back in the day, people were buying Mm-hmm. series box sets on dvds so this wasn't like um me buying a dvd off of ebay and like no one's watching it everyone's watching it on amazon a lot of people are buying it on dvds and all of a sudden they realize that the dvds have become uncensored yep and without their permission yeah they, she did recently say this that she didn't know they didn't know that when they were first like signed on to do the show and they were made to believe according to holly that they didn't have much of a choice or a timeline to even think about it it was like you need to we need to know right now but that was more the house not the network like the house like the management was like you need to do this and now it makes sense because of course people are going to make money off of that and it's playboy so it makes sense but it's still like it's really shitty that that happened like that is something you absolutely would tell someone yeah that is something you would tell someone and she you know they were under the impression that their nudity would be blurred out and then just all of a sudden it's this about face and it kind of coincides with I believe that it was season three that they were like bitch slapped with the realization that the entire season had already been filmed and they were not going to be blurring it out. And then, so this is season four. It makes sense that now they're filming it and they have a completely new sense of um, awareness of them, of themselves and their body. Yeah. She's zipping her thing up and she is where I notice in a few scenes, she's wearing a bra. And if you are a person who identifies as a woman or wears a bra, you know, you don't wear a bra around your house, especially if you are literally a nude model. You do not wear a bra around your house for the hell of it. That's not a thing. No. It's the first thing you take off. Sometimes when you get into the car, like forget the house. I will just be in strapped in. It's nighttime. I just got back from dinner. Like, okay, we're just going to take it off. Like it has nothing to do with what I'm doing with my life anymore. Cast it aside and get rid of it. Like get it the furthest away from me. I don't want to wear it for another 24 hours, especially if it's like a really cute one. She's, visibly wearing like a bra or like cups you can see cups like under her hoodie and I'm like for someone who is a nude model and like it's very obviously very comfortable in her body for her to deliberately choose to wear a bra means she is trying to it's like an act of defiance and it's not I think that you know people could say you know what you signed up for like you're literally a nude model like what make what difference does it make that it's a play like you know it's on tape and stuff it's just because they simply did not sign off on that like just because you know you have sex with somebody one time doesn't mean you're automatically entitled to have sex with them another time like you have to still ask make it nice you know (laughs) you could ask them nicely take them to dinner you know something they could be in on it too because what's worse is that if they had told these girls a thousand percent, I believe they probably would have said yes. Like Bridget, I don't think would have cared. Kendra definitely, I don't think would have cared. And Holly probably wouldn't have cared either. It's just nice to ask and not treat them like you have an automatic entitlement to their body because you're giving them a check because they should be entitled to ask for more if that's the case too. They know what their comp cards are worth if they're working like at Playboy. They know how much their magazine sells and things like that. But they wanted an entire like package deal 
all in one. We give you this amount of money to expose your life and your body when that normally comes at a fee. And they should have been able to negotiate that, If it's in my opinion. I mean, it's your body. Well, absolutely. And Holly, Holly talked about that recently, too, where and I think it was especially bad, you know, back in the day. But I think people still are kind of ignorant to this sometimes today, too, is, yeah, you might be okay with exposing your body in one arena, like in a magazine, but you might not be okay with exposing your nude body on a TV show um, where you're moving around. Who cares? It doesn't even matter what your qualms are. The fact is it's your body. You should be able to expose it with your own consent as you please and be compensated fairly for it and which they were right like she knows the line of work that she chose exactly the point what makes okay even if that is the case if you are a mechanic and say you do a job for someone you know a friend for the low because they're the friend if you change their tire once and they bring they come back and say i need actually all three tires changed you have the right to say no or ask for more money like they are not entitled to you to your work and the service you do just because you've already given it to them in one arena like you can say no she could go and do it somewhere else like she ended up she can still use her body like she could have just asked for more money or the same amount of money she just would have probably liked to know i would love to know like i want to know who's seeing my body and when (laughs) also another thing that i i never thought of until just now is when they were first and foremost exposing their nude body it was in a context of an adult magazine right um, knowing that who the audience was and being okay with that the show especially by season three was for an audience of young women like young women were buying those dvds yeah i probably would have if my parents had let me watch the show it would have been me because i used to watch this show on e all the time like i would sneak and watch it i would watch it when i was home like from sick that day or something watch it on demand I would have been full lord. That would have been insane for me. And I had never bought a Playboy. I mean, at that time I was in high school. I don't think I could have bought a Playboy. So I'm like, this would have been a whole new world for me. But it's something that, yeah, I I get what you're saying. It's like the audience definitely did change versus, you know, where you would have to go to a specific adult store. You would probably be carded like you couldn't just be you know, a young kid or a young woman or a young anybody and like go and do it. It would have had, there was a little bit more red tape. Right. And, and it's not as if that any of the nudity that's in there is scandalous or anything like that, or anything that any young woman shouldn't be able to see, but it's just a completely different context. And I could just see potentially someone being like, oh, I don't feel comfortable knowing that a bunch of young girls are going to see me nude. Like, who knows? You never know. It's, it's your body, your choice. God damn it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you just sort of touched on it, but, but let's like dive deep. What was your experience of the girls next door when it was on? Um, yeah, my experience was a lot like what I said, I was in high school when it started. I think it started in like 2010 or did it end in 2010? 
Um, it's I want to st- say it, it ended more, in 2010. Uh, like 2009. Okay. So I was, when I probably watched it as it was ending and saw like the last two or three seasons via like marathons, like just yeah. on E like all day long. Cause that's what it, oh, I missed those days. It would come on on E and I was a kid of like, this type of reality TV, like more mm-hmm. aspirational, more peeking inside of a world we don't know. Like I'm a kid of the like next on MTV. Yes. You know, my super sweet 16. Like I was right. I was young and planning a, a, a parties. Like that was my future in my mind was having a show on my super sweet, a, a party on my super sweet 16. Like, you know, MTV Cribs, Run's House. Like I am a kid of that world. And that was very fascinating to me. That's all of my high school experience and middle school experience was like watching a peek into people's lives that I don't know about, like, which is what reality TV used to be. Like, this is a world we don't know. And obviously girls next door really piqued my interest. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry, wait, what's happening? Wait, this man has, wait, this is his, wait, this is not their grandchild. Like I had heard of Playboy I knew what Playboy was. Like my grandfather had um, some very, very early on original covers of Playboy, like early magazines. But he had like, you know, some early, early, early ones, like before they became, he has one from like when they, before they even became a, like a nudist magazine. Like it was like a comic or something. And he had that. And there weren't very many of them. So he was like showing me these things. So I know, I knew what they were. And I knew my parents were like, oh no, this is inappropriate for her. (laughs) And he's like, from a literature and financial perspective, she needs to know what's in the library. And so (laughs) I understood it's a female nudist magazine. Okay. Makes sense didn't really concern me. I'm a child. Like it doesn't make a difference. And then I'm watching the show and I'm like, so what is the relation here? And uh, you know, it shocked my little teenage mind. Like, wait, this old <laughs> man is dating these young people. Like, huh? And at the age that I was 20 something is like the goal. Like Kendra being 22, I'm like, <gasps> she's like an adult and she's going to date. Like, what? This is so crazy. And I knew the trope of like old man with the 20 something old girlfriend. But I truly just had no idea how like true it was and what the the true nuances of it was until I got into like college. Because I think that's around when Holly's book came out. And I remember flocking to the Barnes and Nobles. Because at that time, I definitely could not see it on TV like that anymore. They weren't playing it as much on E. I could not find it. We talked about this offline. Like I could not find it on anything like but YouTube. And I hated watching you like shows on YouTube because it's like someone recording their TV. And I don't want to watch it that way. I was like, I want to see it in high definition. I remembered so many distinct random things like Mary and that Holly could oh, just yeah. like call someone and things would occur like in the house. Like in this episode, the gym is being changed. She just calls and asks them to hang pictures up. Yes. And I'm like, these girls are just naked on there. And I was a kid of of keeping of the card keeping up with the Kardashians. Like I was raised by that show. So Kim in the early seasons of KUWTK would be like approached to do Playboy. Everyone remembers this episode and she's so nervous to do it. And then he sits down with her, like Hef specifically sits down with her. This is early in her career and she's like nervous and Chris is there pushing her to do it because that's that's Chris. Chris Jenner and Kim Kardashian to see Mr. Hefner. Mom, why are you wearing a push-up bra? Well. Hi. Hello and what a pleasure. 
Nice to meet you. My pleasure. Hi, I'm Chris Jenner. It's How a are pleasure you? to meet you as well. And this Absolutely. is Kim Kardashian. Well, I know that by reputation. Welcome <laughs> to Playboy Mansion. And I'm very excited about having you in the December issue. I'm very excited. Very excited. The great face, the hair, the booty. I think it will all do very well. Got it. Um, I have the one booty. little question. Okay. Does she have to take her clothes off? Oh, yes. But no, like, we're not going to show the twins, right? That, that's part of it, but, oh. but discreetly in a very good taste. I'm really conflicted. They want me to show more skin for this new shoot, and I just don't know if this is something I want to do. It will not be explicit. I mean, that is what sets Playboy apart from the other magazines. Right. Always it's the best. classy. It's for the December issue. We always have a celebrity on the cover and inside that issue. Is that your favorite issue? It has to be. I started the magazine with the December 1953 issue. Oh, wow. And I happen to have Marilyn Monroe <gasps> on the cover and... I didn't know that. In, ...inside as the first Playmate of the Month. Oh, wow. wow. Knowing that Marilyn Monroe has done it, I feel a little bit more comfortable with it. And I know that I'm going to be taken care of because the Playboy team is so amazing. But it is going to be nerve-wracking. Thank Very you. Very nice to meet you. And he talked her into it. She did the shoot. And I was like, that was one of my initial draws to the show because, you know, Kim just did it. And now I'm like, what is this? And I immediately... <laughs> loved, fell in love with the three girls, like almost equally. Like I loved them all equally and it made it almost normal. Like I had an almost normal reaction to this man having three girlfriends that are 70 years younger than him. <laughs> like it became normal to me. I was very confused by my own, you know, acceptance of it. But yeah, that was my experience with it. It's like, you know, kind of sneaking to watch it and then being so fascinated and obsessed with it. The pink drew me in. Like, I loved all of it. Like, the really kitschy, like, bobble-headed thing. The, they and the Bad Girls Club both had that. And I never really understood the purpose of it, but, like, <laughs> I liked it. Like, they were like little cutout dolls. And that's kind of, like, the thing that they made it seem like these girls were cutout dolls. Like, they were easily replaceable, which is really sucky. Because I did watch, like, the final seasons live, and that was, like, the, the one with the twins and Crystal and everything, and I was riveted by that. Like, constantly Googling, did they make it? Like, are they going to get married? Like, what's going on? Like, she left in a porch, and I'm like, movie night. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, they really are replaceable. How do you replace those three girls? And I remember thinking... Like, that's my really long way of saying, like, I love the original three. I didn't like the second three, like, the last season. I was like, you are no Holly, Bridget, Kendra. You're just not. You're just not. And, yeah, they they always tried to drill into um, the core three's head that they were replaceable. But, I mean, it's a good thing that we got to see the the experiment completely play out that, no, they were... They were not replaceable. They simply were not. Yeah. No, they weren't. I don't think it did the same. And people don't root for them the same. And the personalities weren't the same because even at the core of when they started the show, they had been living there for at least a while. So they had a rhythm, you know, versus 
the three girls coming in afterwards who are coming into the show. And much like Housewives for us, people who also watch Housewives, the original seasons are the best because they already have a rhythm of their own lives. But now you have these new girls who come in with, they understand what the, what they're doing, but they don't necessarily do it well because they've already studied it. So we have like really high expectations. And that's mainly because we want to see who you really are and the dynamics of what you're really dealing with versus you coming in here and knowing what you think you should do and playing a role. That's not what we want. Yeah, that's such a fantastic point that I've never thought of. It really is the the difference between paving the way and knowing what you're up against and even more so than the housewives with the girls next door it's like you are at least with the the housewives like you're at least living in your own house you're living under your own rules sometimes 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 you rent homes just saying sometimes you rent homes but um, at least you get to um, live under your rules and the theoretic rules of um, theoretical rules of like your Airbnb. host. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, you know, that was one of the cool things about this show, though, is like it really was a peek into a world that no one really knew. It was so notorious. It was so infamous. It lived in infamy. The grotto, everything about that was like Joe Francis. And I remember watching Housewives of Miami like when it first aired. And Joe Francis was such a big conversation about that show. And it was because of this. And it was like the two differences, whereas we were watching Girls Next Door and it's so normalized, everything that they're doing, like people being naked and people showing their boobs and girls being like hot and wearing scantily clad outfits around their own house. That was normal. But on like Housewives of Miami, like they were fleeing from the idea that like, oh, she's done Girls Gone Wild. Oh, she's like friends with Joe Francis. Oh, you think you... because I'm friends with them. I've shown like, are you kidding? Don't ever say that about me. Like I've never posed new for people, but only one time I'm like, wait, two very different worlds. So I'm, it would brought me back down to earth. Like, is this normal? Okay. Like spoiler. It's not like everything <laughs> that happened on girls next door is actually so problematic and is not real and not normal, but it was kind of fun to see it. Like I love cult television. Like I love cult documentaries. And this is basically just one large cult documentary. It, it really is. And I feel like that's a narrative that people don't touch on very often. And I'll eventually get to this in um, my storytelling episodes. But one thing that people say, not just the girls, namely Holly, who live there, but like the butlers, the mm. the secretaries, um, there is a very common through line of them saying there is a cult-like atmosphere where people come in intending to work there while they're trying to figure out their next thing. And then they stay for 20 years and they don't know why they did. And they've like given up on their dreams. Mm-hmm. It is so interesting because I think everybody focuses in on the three girls and like, well, why didn't you know this, Holly? Why you knew what, knew what you were getting into, blah, blah, blah. You could have just left. But the tentacles go so far out to every single person who worked there where they all kind of like sat back and st- and said like what am i 
doing here? Right. It's like there's an episode when Mary, like the secretary, like a finally leaves, like she retires or something. And A, retiring from the Playboy Mansion. What in what? the world? Like, <laughs> that's not a thing. But also just like the amount of people like being like, oh my gosh, she's been here longer than I've been here. Like, you know, it's like a whole thing. And she's like, I've been there 30 something years. It's crazy to think about, but it's kind of like when you buy a house and you find a trap door or you find like an attic door, like some secret door, you're going to walk through the damn door. Like that's, it's one of the main reasons I've always liked Holly because I actually have always believed her retelling of what happened the most, mainly because she doesn't really deflect blame. She's like, yeah. yeah, a thousand percent. I knew what it was. I knew that they were girls. They were sexy. I also knew that I was a cute girl. So if I wanted to not be homeless, I probably could make it. Like <laughs> she, and I admire that honesty because she's like, I did understand to an extent what I was getting into. And then it was always another door. Like she kept thinking she had cleared the doors and there was another one, you know, she's moving in and she's like, okay, I have a room to myself. This is great. And then they're like, well, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you get money for yourself. And she's like, oh, well, I'll do that. And then it's like, okay, but if you're closer to him, you get to become a girlfriend. And that means this, like, oh, I get that. And then she's just thinking if she becomes his main girlfriend, she doesn't think she's going to lose all privacy. She probably thinks she has a lot more control and that she's like going to be set. Like she can actually do something with her life and it just doesn't go that way. And she just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it. It's kind of like one of those, like, like an MLM, like you keep buying yes, up the ladder yes. and you keep thinking you're going to get to the pyramid top and then you're not. It's because it's not designed for you to, it's wow. not designed for that. Like Hef was never going to give this woman full partnership in his life because she had she had too much control over herself even though she was breaking and she's made it very clear like she was you know mentally exhausted emotionally exhausted he still saw her as basically being too free thinking it looked like she had too much control over herself and didn't need him enough and because I remember being so upset when I found out that like she wanted to get married and she didn't get it. So she basically left. And then Crystal gets engaged to him like within like five minutes of being the girlfriend. I remember being pissed. Young 16, 17 year old me was like, how dare you? This is not right. Like justice for Holly. But like it made sense because this girl knew exactly what she was signing up for. When she signs up for the show, it is the life of the glitz and glamour. So he was able to sell that to her however he wanted. Any lifestyle that he wanted her to live, he's like, well, this is what it means to be here. And what is she going to do? Say no? She, she wanted it. So Holly had something to compare it to, though. Like she has seen the ring. She's seen the different girls. So there is no real telling her, well, this is what we do. And she's like, no, I get to say that's actually not true. Like they liked her. And that was that was probably her biggest downfall is that she wasn't simple minded enough. Yeah. And actually, in my research for the show, like going all the way back to the to the 60s is Hef dated a handful of women who were like Holly, who were um, really smart and savvy women who, like you said, just kind of, you know, would say yes to the, to moving the needle just a little bit more opening another door and saying, okay, I'm going to do this. And then at a certain point, Hef would push them too far because they were a little too smart. Um, They, 
the longer they were, they were there, they would start pushing back on him. And then eventually it would be all over. They'd been pushed far enough, but with Crystal, Crystal, I mean, with Holly, she didn't like know all of these stories because you would have to do like research to find this stuff out. Like his girlfriends from the eighties, like even tabloids at that point, she wouldn't have access to those. Mm -hmm. There was barely the internet. Like she did not have access to these stories. So she like comes in, she keeps moving the needle thinking that it's going to be different. I'll, I'll cross through this threshold and maybe I'll get to the point that I'm hoping to get to. But Crystal was someone who knew exactly what she was getting into and could steal herself for it. And also, Hef was so friggin' old at that point. I'm sure mm-hmm. she wasn't, she was not getting, she was getting maybe like a senile old man or something, but she was not dealing with these seven years of BS that Holly and Bridget and Kendra had to deal with but especially holly and bridget right she's at the tail end of honestly his sanity but like Mm -hmm. she also didn't have to work her way up really through the ranks like that either like it it, not as long as it took holly and them to actually get to where they were where holly's talked a lot about like how a lot of her understanding of what even went on in the house and the culture came from other women who were trying to get out. Like yeah. the, the women in the house were like, oh yeah, why don't you do that? Like, they were also like pushing it and moving the needle for her. So she was like the new kind of scapegoat because if he had a new girlfriend, he kind of would leave the rest of them alone. So a lot of it was hearsay and trial and error. And so, yeah, maybe I, 17, 16, 17 year old me was right and like justice for Holly. Justice for Holly is... When it was all over, like Kendra got the like 20 seasons of spinoffs and, you know, God yeah, bless her still, for it. Like she's still like, I think she like just tried to sign on to the agency or she just signed on with the agency, she which did. is Mauricio Umansky's real estate company in California, which is Kyle Richard's husband at Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I'm like, what you're actually not going to do? is come over here. That's what you're not going to do. Because, like, there are hierarchies. And you're just simply not on a housewife level. Like, that's not it. Especially not just as a realtor. Like, you, what do you think this is? Like, huh, girl, goodbye. Like, she did get a million spinoffs. She definitely became the reality TV chaser. She did, you know, marriage boot camp, reality stars with her family. Her mom and hers relationship she went on Marriage Bootcamp Reality Stars, the family edition, because of her mom. Watching this episode was hard because of that. Like, what? Okay, so let's let's get into the episode. So this episode is season four, episode two. Basically, the gist of the episode and the gist of, like, any of these episodes can be summed up in, like, less than a sentence, which is... Holly makes over the gym and Kendra's mom comes to the mansion to recuperate while after she's gotten a million different a plastic whole different surgeries. Face. Whole a whole new face. And a whole and boobs. And I mean, it's like the mini Heidi Montag. Which I have a lot of questions about. I remember writing down because Kendra says, My mom's always wanted plastic surgery. 
but she could never afford it. And it was never, she was never in LA. I'm like, so we solved the LA problem. How is she affording this now? Does something change? Does she win the lottery or who's paying for this? Okay. So I want to say that I wrote that same thing down verbatim. Great. great. Love that. Verbatim. Same page. Mm -hmm. My guess is Kendra is paying for this. Yeah. Which then again makes me crazy because mm-hmm. Harper and Holly are still going back and forth in the press because Kendra keeps, you know, basically Kendra's book is like everything Holly's book says is a lie and half is the greatest and I love this house. And she kind of gives us that energy in this episode. She's like, it's just so much love here. We're one big happy family. But I remember Holly distinctly writing like you got an allowance for you to look hot and around half, but not like, so she was saving that at some point for her family and she and Holly had said like people have will save it for their family like they'll stash money away for when they eventually leave but so if Kendra's paying for this is where is this money coming from another thing to piggyback onto that is I believe in Holly's book she also mentions that Kendra was kind of allowed to do appearances and stuff where she could get she could get outside money. Mm, And Holly and Bridget were not allowed to do that. That's so crazy. I feel for Bridget, man. I really do. She was always such a sweetheart and they really casted her away like she was nothing. I wrote down in one of my notes, where is Bridget? Like, she's just not here. She's only in like two scenes. I I think that there is just, um, we're talking about trap doors. There is a trap door that is just Bridget. And we don't know what is behind that door. I feel like there's a whole different story of who is this woman? Where is she now? I know like the bullet points of what she's up to, but there are very few interviews. I mean, she has a whole podcast, but she's just like talking about ghosts. By this season, I think it was kind of just like Kendra's the star Holly's the second star and then Bridget is nothing which is so crazy to me and I think that that's like the initial so much of the you know the beef between Kendra and Holly is totally production created like I know that now being a tv expert as I am Mm -hmm. um they would constantly go back and forth. Like Kendra is like, look at how much like control I have. Like she has so much agency to do whatever she wants. Her mom can come and stay there for as long as she needs to recover. Plastic surgery recovery takes forever. Like, endless amounts of days so she can stay there we see her coming out swollen and puffy and leaving with just a bandage over her nose so like it mainly because Kendra like kind of kissed the ass of the entire like staff the show the process everything she's like I just love it here and everyone's so great and half is a thousand percent the egomaniac narcissist of like as long as you tell me you love me like and you're loyal to me I'll give you whatever you want to keep him happy. She understood the sugar baby assignment. Like Kendra understood yes. it. Yes. No one understood like Kendra to this day too. Like she still bows at the altar of Playboy. Yeah. He's gone. Like he, no one can kiss her. There's no ass to kiss anymore. I think at a certain point, she'll eventually find the need to maybe like explain her side 
the real, real side, but for years it, she has known where her bread was buttered and, and even Bridget, like, I think that Bridget has, uh, some really interesting things that she could impart on us because she's just chosen to stay quiet and she could go the way of Kendra and completely spill, but she's chosen not to either positively or negatively, like either go with Kendra and be like, it was all the best or go with Holly and like spill everything. Instead, she's just like Switzerland. Yeah. I mean, that was mainly her all the time, but like, I loved that Kendra was like, you know, I get to do whatever I want. It's so great here. And then Holly was kind of, kind of playing the long game of like, I don't want to be the glorified sugar baby. I'm trying to be the wife, the mistress of this house, like y'all's boss in a sense, like her being able to redecorate the gym to have that right and kind of like oversee it and have not object it kind of it was a power move I was and I love that you know it was like who is the star of the show because in this sense both of them have like equal time about uh, during this episode to have their own storyline and they have nothing to do with the other and they're a hundred percent given a lot of wiggle room like in this house, like who can do what? She gets to change the house. Kendra can do whatever she wants in the house. And those both are some big power moves. And and yet though, Holly can theoretically change the house. But what I was so interested in was how nervous. Her fear, I wrote it down too. I wrote it down too. It was like, she is very afraid of Hef not liking it. Like she wanted it to be all done as soon as he walks down, she's mad. She's like, no, like has to explain it all. And then when he comes back and sees it, when it's done, I mean, he was hard on her. I'm like, you do know, like this takes time. Right. And he's like, well, this, this is ridiculous. This is not good. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm nervous to bring Hef down here. Cause I don't feel like it's done yet. It's going to take a long time to get it right. And like, it's too messy over there. And it looks like kids live here. And now I'm depressed. Anything that's like kid colors needs to go because it looks like we might as well have a Tonka truck over here. I was horrified to see like all this colorful plastic stuff over there because all I could see in my mind was like somebody's house when they have like five kids and they leave toys around. That's what it looked like to me. Hef hates change and he's going to hate all this. Like these can't be here. This is not supposed to be here. Maybe we could move this a little more that way and this so it's not falling off. We were putting everything away and still trying to move stuff around when all of a sudden... Oh, no! I was horrified when Hef came into the gym because it wasn't done. Well, this is the new gym stuff. Uh Uh-huh. It's not where it's supposed to be, though. I wanted to move it back and then put a flat screen there, so... You know. Well, it's positioned in kind of a strange way. Yeah, but it's a lot. It's really nice equipment. Does anybody really think that they want to do this facing the wall? Yeah, because there's going to be a TV there. Yes. Well, if you're going to watch TV, you're not going to be watching up that close. I know. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying too. This is, you know, ridiculous. You know, Hef is never going to like anything new. He might like it if he sees it when it's all finished and everything makes sense. But until then, no hope. I think the criteria are two, yeah, are twofold. One, you need to decorate it like you decorate a room attractively. But then you also have to decorate it or put the pieces where they make sense for the function. I just have to be the rock that I am and be calm 
and weather the storm. One thing that I've said before is that in the first season of the show, we see a lot of moments um, where we kind of get a real peek behind the curtain of like Holly showing a little disdain for the whole culture of the place and, you know, saying how Hef gets mad at her when Kendra's late um, instead of getting mad at Kendra. And, um, oh, Hef is going to think I look ugly if I wear my hair like Princess Leia. But after that first season, we hardly ever see it as regularly as we did. But this episode in season four, I feel like is a rare time where we get to see again what the real world of the mansion is. And it is how nervous Holly is. And when Hef comes down before she's ready and the way he says, you you kind of, you said it, but he just looks around and he goes, this is ridiculous. Mm. And mm. It, she, she hasn't changed the gym that much she's put in some new equipment and she's changed the layout of where the equipment is yeah and he like gets mad he just like looked for something to be mad at to basically let her know that he still gets to control what is done and that um and to put fear in her it's 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 definitely a manipulative scene because what he gets mad at is that the treadmills aren't close enough to the TV or to each other or something like that. And he's like, well, and then the, the flat screen, she's like, yeah, the flat screen's ordered. Like it's coming. Like, it's just not on the wall yet. He's like, yeah, well, you'll need it to be there. It's like, no, duh. Like she's understanding. She's not an idiot. And she just kind of takes it at the chin. And I'm over here like, what is he? I'm so confused at what he's mad at because she asked him what she can change. He told her explicitly not to change X, Y, and Z. She didn't. The wood paneling that's ugly as hell is still on the yeah. wall. The people are also make are, are doing workouts on carpet. Like what? What is this? Like it's so disgusting. So she's done nothing against what he said, and yet her fear of like him seeing it is so high. Even though she has stayed within the rules, and he had to let her know that even if she does that, he'll always have he always will have that final approval. Always will have that final like say. And I'm like, cause. It being far enough from the TV doesn't make a difference. Like we know there's a TV happening. And because when it's officially done, he goes, see, this looks good. All the treadmills are together and they're facing the TV. And I'm like, uh, I don't think she was defiant in that, you know, conclusion. I don't think she was actively like rebelling and going, actually the treadmill should face each other. The TV just wasn't hung. Like this is not a thing. Like what he's mad at is, was not a thing. He didn't make any new discoveries. He didn't innovatively change the gym. Well, and what's funny too, is that Holly seems to really be able to predict what he's going to be upset about before he even gets down there. Like she knows he's going to be pissed that they're changing out the couch. And she knows that he's going to be pissed about the TV. And she is trying her best to solve these problems before he screams at her about it. And then she also mentions, Oh, you know, and by the way, he never comes down 
into the gym, which I think is like a really funny thing about from the very top of the episode when they bring up, okay, we're going to redo the gym. And Kendra goes, we all know Hef is really picky, but she doesn't even have to tell him. He would never know. He would never, he never goes down the gym. So who cares? Just do it. You know, he won't notice if anything, he'd probably come down one day randomly and be like, Oh, when we get this new treadmill. Like, it's not a thing. Like, oh, she didn't change anything also. Like, he won't know. And c- because she's telling him things are changing, he's like, well, I'll let you know if that is something I'm into or not. Like, she even was like, hey, he, he doesn't use it. And he didn't want to stay and use it. He didn't care. He didn't care. And yeah, it, it is just such a, a great example of how Kendra knows how the game is played, where she's just like, don't tell him. He'll never notice. And then later on in the episode, Holly says, if I didn't tell him about the couch, he never would have noticed that I changed out the couch. So like she also knows that, but the difference is between Kendra and Holly in this and in everything is that Kendra does whatever she wants and Holly plays by the rules. She was always probably also nervous that someone would like tell on her. Yeah. She knows she needs the staff to do it and she knows that she's allowed to do it. Like they will listen to her as like kind of a, kind of like a a makeshift woman of the house. But like, if like Mary tells them, oh, you know, Holly wanted this for the gym because she knows she's she's redoing it. Half would then be mad at her. So she's always trying to protect her ass. And what's worse is that she's constantly living in fear of like, if I anticipate how I could be in trouble, I will just live by that now. But what a terrible way to live. Like you said, she always knows how to anticipate like what he'll be mad at. And this is this goes on for like from episode one, season one to season four. That is a long time on TV to be constantly thinking about your next move and walking on eggshells. That's a long time. And it's it seems miserable. It seems so miserable. And she also says um, in a confessional when um, Hef comes down, unannounced to see the progress on the gym and she's freaking out and she says in her confessional um i just have to be the rock that i am and weather this storm mm. which it's I a gym chilling <laughs> it's, Girl, a, it's gym. a gym like it's you did nothing you bought new equipment because the old stuff wasn't working and if a bunch of girls or if a bunch of blonde women are running around the house and they're flabby he's gonna be more mad about that Exactly. And then he'd it, yell at Holly and be like, well, why don't you put together a gym class or something? She'd be like, on what equipment? Like, she's helping him. <laughs> like, I would love to know whose idea it was for when he finally did come down to have all the girls there already working out. So one thing that I wondered, actually, was did they look at all of that footage from before? So I think, like, that that gym reveal was filmed a lot later. Like, I think that was maybe filmed. So I think that, and I know that they did this with a lot of episodes that different storylines were filmed completely out of sync with one another. I'm guessing that the Kendra and her mother plastic surgery storyline was filmed nowhere near the same time as this gym stuff. Mm -hmm. And and they just kind of like mushed it all together. Right. I think that the gym reveal happened maybe like a few weeks, a month later, where they were looking at the dailies 
from that scene where he comes down and he's just like, he's having like a bad day where he's not able to keep the mask on the Hugh Hefner, like gentleman mask and just like going after her. And they were like, we're keeping this footage, but Hey, Hef, you need to come down and we're going to like put all these girls and you're going to say what a great job Holly did. Yeah. She's like, don't you love this? The pictures are more spaced out. Like, no, they're not. They look exactly exactly the same. same. They were leveled before they were, they were, they're leveled now. Like it doesn't matter. Like nothing has changed. It's like, yep. And you see the TV goes, yeah, look at this. All of these treadmills are next to each other, just like how they should be. And I'm like, okay. Like you really did something there. You really think you did something there, Papa. I get it. (laughs) It does just feel like, um, a window into the minutia of an abusive relationship mm-hmm. uh, of how even the smallest things that a person who's not currently in an abusive relationship would look at and go like, huh, who would care about this? Like, this is nothing. This is the, he doesn't go down here that who cares? This is what being in an abusive relationship looks like where every little thing could be what you get screamed at for or hit for or whatever. And you're just constantly walking on eggshells. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, justice for Holly, you know, seriously, I remember she was my favorite. Like, I always thought she was, like, the weirdest to look at. But, like, because her only, mainly because her hair was so blonde. It was next level white blonde. It is. The funny thing to me is that Holly still has, really, the exact same look that she had from back then. Um, And Kendra has really, like, you know, she's gotten some low lights. Like she's like switched it up, but like Holly has not changed her hair at all. Mm-hmm. Not a different cut, not a low light. I mean, she had like red hair for like six months, which like not, not that I think that she should be like doubling down on red hair. I don't know that that's for her, but it's just interesting that she's really kept the same look. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. Like, she's never changed much. I mean, it worked for her on the show, worked for her in Peep Show. I guess she was like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. I did um, I did see Holly in Peep Show. And... <gasps> what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I coordinated a whole trip to, to Las Vegas to see her. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Was it amazing? It was honestly an awesome show. It was a lot of fun. Um, but then I I saw it again because um, Coco, Ice T's um, wife. Oh yes, yes, took yes. over, and I was like, "Well, I have to see Coco." I mean, I'm just was like she a, just as good? Um, Coco was better. <gasps> Damn. Yeah. Well, Coco's a dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So Coco like really had the dance part of it, like hardcore down. But the character in Peep Show is supposed to be like this bookish nerd who um, like has her sexual awakening. So Holly fit that character a little more. Mm. <laughs> more so than, than Coco being like, I'm bookish. And like they can't even like keep her boobs in like the button down top. <laughs> yeah, well, because Holly definitely gives me vibes of someone who like doesn't even know that she's like sexy. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't Absolutely. even know she's hot stuff. She's like, wait, what? I am? I mean, this girl grew up in Alaska. She's from Oregon, grew up in Alaska. I think that's like more telling to her real life. She didn't even know. She's like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Yeah, and she is just, like, such a bookish person. She's such a nerd. She's, like, a hardcore nerd. I don't know. I just, I love Holly. Holly's Holly's McQueen. I love Holly. I've always loved Holly. Me too. And, you know, Kendra, I feel like Kendra is really growing and changing, and I love that for her. But I'll just never feel the same about Kendra while she still kind of like kowtows to the Playboy brand. Yeah, no, I actually feel like Kendra's a little bit privileged and a bit of a brat. Like she's 22 and she was much younger than Holly when she was on the show. And it it just kind of shows like she gives me a lot of like, well, they were never mean to me. So whatever you're saying is bullshit. And I hate friends like that anyway, who are like, well, they've never done anything to me. So Thanks for telling me your thoughts, but, you know, I'm going to still be friends with them. That stuff drives me up a wall because one thing that I that I always say when people are like, oh, well, like this abusive person never did anything to me. I feel like that happens all the time in Hollywood. What I always say is if every abuser was abusive to every single person that they've ever met, the world would be in chaos. Right. Right. It's there. They, they definitely pick and choose. They know their targets and they know which ones to not do it to so that you can kind of like offset the balance so that someone can eventually say, well, no, I know them to be an amazing person. I don't know anything about that. Like I only know them to be great and amazing, especially to people that they think could be credible. And having another girlfriend in the house who says you're not an abuser when you have one that says you are and the other one that's silent makes you credible. Exactly. And I mean, I also think that Kendra comes into the whole thing from a completely different perspective because she was younger and because she has this um, this little monster mother. So she's coming into it from a completely different perspective than Holly did. And she wasn't the first girlfriend. So she wasn't getting what what Holly got. But I, I hope that one day Kendra will look at the whole thing and realize, like, you know, maybe just because it didn't happen to me exactly the same way. It maybe two things can be true at once. Yeah, right. I agree. I think I think so. I hope she gets to that place, but 
I'm also not holding my breath because I've watched almost every other show that she's been on and it doesn't yeah. seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> I I don't think so either, but... Because it's also afforded her a life that she just never mm-hmm. really saw for herself. And also her mom kind of rode the coattails of this. Her mom seemed to be eating up her status in the Playboy Mansion, like from the very beginning, like, you got the best bed in the house. She's like, I know, I know. It's like... Kendra really feels like she did something for herself and her mom definitely never lets her forget it. It's like, you did something for me too. Like, you need to keep this up. And I'm like, you're really pimping out your child here. Well, the amount of times that it's mentioned in the episode that the reason why her mom looks old is because of how Kendra acted when she was a child. (laughs) Oh, boy. Which it's, I, I, have you read Kendra's memoir? No, I really didn't connect with her like that on the show. And I had heard already that like, it's a little bit more of like a, it's amazing. And I don't want that. I want to tell all. Yeah. I, I had never read it. I only read it because I, I was just researching um, for my podcast. I never would have read Kendra's memoir. But Kendra had an incredibly traumatic life that they, I feel like they don't even like really get into, but I mean, Kendra's like doing crystal meth at 13 years old. Yeah. This doesn't shock me. Um, I don't think that it's like, I don't remember if it's something she explicitly has said or not, but like, you know, her own marriage boot camp with her mom, it was a very strenuous relationship. I remember that because, you know, of a lot of things she felt like, you know, her mom wasn't, wasn't there for. And then her show, I did watch her show almost to completion, like from start <laughs> to finish almost. I think I missed like one season because I just fell off and couldn't figure out what day it came on. Like, that was it. And I would go back and binge it if I had missed an episode. Like, I really did watch it. I knew everything about Hank and the cheating and all of that. <laughs> so it was, her mom was always like, it just always felt like Kendra was trying to make her mom proud or make her mom like, like her in a weird way. Like, accept her, like her, uh, choose her. She's very pick me. And I I really want better for her just in general. I don't like her, but at the same time, I don't think where what she needs right now is for me to like her or for her to be even be likable. She needs some serious <laughs> healing and some some help. She needs some trauma therapy and uh, I mean that mom is just like I think that mom is like a true nightmare person. You know, like Bridget and Holly's parents are so they they appear on the show, but very briefly, and they just feel like I don't know, like if my parents were were on a reality show, like just like walking through and being like, oh wow, yeah, this is your life. Well, uh, we support you in whatever you do. Uh, okay, how fast can we get out of here? Mm-hmm. And her mom is. Throughout the whole series, she's she's somewhat prominent, and there's so many moments of her being like, well, if Hef wants to date me, 
Like she says no. that a lot. Oh God. Like her obsession with her daughter. It's something telling me she's always been jealous of her. Like uh, definitely. Yes. Without a doubt. Because they're also very close in age. As far as mother and daughters go. And I think it it's really like a matter of she never expect, expected Kendra to like get out in the way that she did. And yeah. I think it pissed and she her couldn't. off. And she couldn't. She had kids. No matter how much Kendra went through, no matter how much Kendra screwed up, she didn't get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And when she did, she was married and had like money. And mm-hmm. it was everything that she really resented. Like it, yeah. she couldn't get done. Like she did it the quote unquote right way, which for most parents, they would prefer that for their child. Sure. You know, but for Kendra's mom, she's like, oh, how dare you not follow my footsteps? Yeah, I think I think the reason why it comes up so many times, like, I'm ugly because of you, Kendra, and the stress you put on me. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, you stressed me out and you you did this to me. You cut my life short. So you are responsible for fixing it. You must pay for it. And so she does. And either you pay for it or you experience exactly what I did. Either you suffer or you fix this. And she pays for it. She gives her the best room. She gets to stay at the mansion to recover. Like, because Kendra could have just put her in a hotel, but no. She could have also just sent her home, but no. Yeah. <laughs> sent her back to San Diego. Like, instead, her entire family comes to the mansion to take care of her. I'm like, all she needs is one caretaker. She could have gone home. I mean, I will say, um, to this is a very light 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 Bridget episode which we've said but Mm -hmm. there is one scene with Bridget that is god it it's heartbreaking there's so much of this episode that is heartbreaking under the radar just low-key upsetting for every single woman and the one moment for Bridget is the night before the surgery for Kendra's mom. Bridget comes in and... Come in. Hi. Hi, Bridget. How are you? All right, how are you? I just wanted to wish you good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Are you nervous? Yes, I'm petrified. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The night before Patty's surgery, I went in to wish her good luck. And they were looking at noses and stuff, so I plopped down, and we were trying to figure out which nose would be best and which one we liked and didn't like. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, was just, like, a completely engineered scene because there's no way that the night before uh, a rhinoplasty, you're just like, oh, you're just going to show the day of what nose you're looking for? As yeah, if they're no, not no like- surgeon will ever do that. <laughs> they would never enter a surgery without a plan. Like they're, <laughs> the board, hello? Board certified yes. to be like, hello? We actually would like to take our certification back. Yeah. Uh, like he's just like improvising. Like, oh, I don't know. I guess she wants the Angelina Jolie. Let's uh, see if we can figure this out on the fly. Mm. But- so they're looking through these magazines. Bridget comes in and 
Kendra goes, oh, I want this nose. And she shows it to Bridget. And it's a picture of Bridget. And Bridget takes a second. And then she realizes that the picture is of her. And she goes. What was at first? I was like, ew. I almost went, ew, she's gross. Oh, Bridget. When arguably Bridget's the prettiest one. Like, she's so gorgeous. Uh, She's so gorgeous. And she thinks that she is so ugly. It's so crazy. I don't, it's so hard to understand, wrap my own head around. Because, you know, because in some respect, they know that the the world may not think that of them because they made it to the Playboy Mansion. You know what I mean? Like they know that they are marketable because of their bodies. So naturally you cannot be ugly. So the fact that it's like literally only in our head is like a mental prison. What a personal hell. It's such a mental prison. And I say this all the time that, throughout the series like Bridget is always talking about her body and like obsessed with the food that she eats and she's always talking about like oh I ate a sprinkles cupcake oh no oh no Uh, gosh I shouldn't have eaten all those sprinkles cupcakes and it, it it's so it's so indicative of the time of just being Knowing on some intellectual level, you you must be attractive, but yet you can never. And you just don't see it. You just simply don't see it. Uh, I mean, gosh, to, to the Gen Z's of the world, you know, you're, you're lucky you get to come of age during this. Right. Yes. <laughs> Because it's truly so sad. It really is. And I'm glad that, you know, the gen, the, at least the kids, they don't know a lot of things and they get some things wrong. But in this present moment, what they do get right is really how much they're like, yeah, we just going to accept people. Yeah. Period. Because we can't really change anyone. So I'm like, yeah, what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> what a novel, novel idea. Gosh. Uh, well, Money, this was so much fun. Do you have any do you have any parting shots about the girls next door, about this episode, anything that you picked up on that you just want to you want to mention? Again, I'm very disappointed in the fact that the entire family came to the mansion when they yeah. could have just sent her home. <laughs> like this woman is really like she really is pimping her daughter out, and it's not like in a funny ha ha Chris Jenner is the best businesswoman in the world kind of way yeah because even at the core of the Kardashians I'm like I, Chris is the best business manager ever the worst mom ever <laughs> like like yeah and I think they all know it and they're like just grateful they can take care of their families you know because of her but it's not even in a funny ha ha Chris Jenner kind of way it's like a genuinely oh you're jealous oh you're mad that your daughter is rich and cute and in yeah. this house like she's like oh should have been me I was young you stole my youth I'm like how does she still a youth that she didn't ask to be born into yes she like literally the child did not ask to be here like not at all so don't know how that's possible, but yeah, I mean, uh, the whole episode, I was just like, what is half mad at? 
I don't understand why these people are in the house when she could just go home. How long did she stay? Who paid for all of this? But And I don't know. Justice for Holly, Queen Holly. I was like, yeah, you better reorganize that gym. Yes, I just really <laughs> want Holly to be like the boss of the house. Like, because if she's going to get in trouble for women being late and she has no control over them, she may as well be seen and treated as like the mistress of the mansion. Mani, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, oh, yeah. Whatever, whatever you'd like to plug a latest episode, tell us everything. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Um, you can find me anywhere you listen to this podcast. You can listen to me as well by searching Mixing with Moni and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. I also have a Patreon where I am currently doing the Rewind and Rewatch series of... I'm watching the very first episode of all the franchises, of all the Housewives franchises with like zero context, zero follow-up. We're just going in blind, re-watching it and going, huh, and discussing it very recap style, very discussion-based, very, and all the nuances of the episodes, whether they've changed over the last few years, like things we noticed. It's been really, really fun um, to be able to do that. But yeah, so that's at the Patreon. And then uh, otherwise, I have a series of guests on the show every week, and we discuss your favorite things in Bravo and Housewives. Also, I will say this, your voice is just like made for made for podcasts stop i absolutely hate it like i cannot listen to myself people constantly i am oh my god i'm bridget of podcasting jesus you are the the bridget of podcasting because (laughs) this this whole time i've been thinking like wow you have such a luscious voice people consider someone told me like on my patreon they're like i could listen to you read a cd cover i was like no please no (laughs) like people have commented like why not editing like do you even hear yourself and I'm like actually no and I will never change it like I specifically cannot listen to myself and not for an hour I don't know how people do it I do not know how people have received it positively enough to have more than one review let alone 500 and something like I don't know how like but thank you so much because I cannot stand it but I'm really glad somebody likes it yeah, it's truly like it just scratches like the right little itch in my brain like I I it's I guess that's what they mean by ASMR like it really oh, no. Yay. it's it, you have a gorgeous voice and please do not be the Bridget of podcasting. Okay, I will listen to an episode of myself and I will work on finding things I love about it. Three things, every episode. That, that, is, your, that is your therapy. And Bridget, if you're listening, buy, buy the DVDs and uh, find something you like about yourself in every episode. Please. Yes, thank y'all. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. You know where to find me because you're listening to this. So, uh, you know, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.